Thank you, Nate, and others. Open your Bibles with you this morning, if you would, in your Old Testament. Judges. We'll be looking at chapters 13 through 16 today. Continuing in our series, what I learned from different individuals in the Old Testament and New Testament. So today we're looking at the life of Samson. If Samson could come today, what would he tell us about living this life of faith? What could we learn from his experiences, from his mistakes, things he did right? You do notice that our screens and our new projection system is now installed. and You can turn around and look and we see have a, this is the biggest TV you'll ever see hanging on our wall. So we can see that up there. And that'll keep everybody from having to turn around and me from having to turn around to see. But, uh, but this is the first week we had the complete system. It took them a couple of weeks to get it installed. So thank you for helping us to pay for this system. I appreciate it. We'll use it every week. This is a special weekend. We recognize that this freedom that we have to worship unencumbered, with per, without permission, we just can, we can worship. It came at great cost. I have friends that are back on furlough and they are from, they are missionaries from Vietnam. Vietnam is a communist country and you know that. When they worship, they have to register where they worship and who they worship and how they worship with the government. They have to get federal permits to meet. They can't do anything without permission. They must not mention the name of Jesus in public settings. They can only do that in personal conversations. And they must not try to lead people to Christ other than in private conversations. They do that because that's a communist country. And that's normal around the world in many places. You and I can do what we do because men and women for many decades and centuries have fought and died so we can do this. So we appreciate those that have given the ultimate price. And we appreciate the fact that God has worked with our peoples and our government to give us freedom. Join me in prayer, please. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for your presence today. We come and worship you in the name of Jesus, claiming his name, receiving the salvation that you've given us through his work. We thank you, Father. We worship you, Father God, creator, giver of life, giver of all that is good. We thank you, Father. This morning, we make special recognition of this nation, the freedoms and privileges we have, the sacrifices that our people have made. You have used them, Father, to give us this wonderful gift. Thank you. We pray that you'd be with those families that have lost loved ones in battle. Give them comfort. Help them to recognize that their losses were not given in vain. And Father, we ask you would help us to sustain this freedom, to take responsibility for what we've been given, to use it wisely, to use it in a way that will honor and glorify you, and continue to help us to stay free. We pray for strength. We pray for 
those in power that they would be given wisdom and discretion and judgment to use our powers wisely. Father, we grieve as a nation this week because of the children that were murdered. Lord, help us. We are a mess. No simple answers. We confess our sin, Father. We pray for those families that have lost children, for those that have lost spouses. Lord, help us to make sense of this all, to make changes that can bring about a difference. Help us as a people. We ask that you would help us to figure out why we as a culture are producing murderers at a tremendous rate. We have strayed from you, Father. Be merciful upon us. Work a work of repentance in our hearts. Father, as we study your word today, teach us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We admire the strong in life, don't we? You might have seen this on the news class a couple of weeks ago. There was a race and it was a high school championship track field championship. And there were four girls in this relay race. And the last leg came up and the girl picked up the baton. And in running she dropped it. She stopped. She went back. As she bent over to pick up the baton, her shoe came off. She stopped again, laid the baton down, put her shoe on, picked up the baton and ran, and captured and won the race for her team. She ran like she had never run before. Her father had been an athlete, and he said there is nothing that has motivated him in his life more than his little girl giving everything she had to do what she had to do to become victorious in that event. We love fighters, don't we? We love the story of fighters, of people who overcome. We are amazed at our athletes. We are amazed at those in Olympic competition. It's just amazing what the human body can do, what the human spirit can do when people apply themselves and, and do their best. Well, today we're going to talk about a tough guy, one of those guys. One of those guys that really could do incredible things physically. A guy named Samson. Give you a, a brief history of his story. His parents were older, no children, wanted children. In that culture, you were considered failures as human beings if your family could produce no children. God came and told them, you will have a child. They were thrilled, but God said, now listen, this is the way it's going to have to be. You will raise your son, Samson, as a Nazarite. That was a very exclusive set of Jewish people that devoted their lives solely to God's worship and service. They were different. They were what we would call fundamentalists or zealots today. They were seen in a very positive light, but there weren't very many because not many people were willing to live that life. Of course, the couple said, Father, we will do this for you. They raised their child, a Nazarite. He was never to drink alcohol, neither were they. They never cut his hair. He was raised in a very devout Jewish faith setting. And he was a good guy. Unfortunately, as Samson grew, the Nazarite vows became less important to him. He had a weakness for partying and a weakness for the ladies. And it got him in trouble. 
he began to drink and carouse and do all those things. And he lived this life where he was sometimes faithful and sometimes unfaithful. Now, for just so you'll remember that before Samson fell, we remember how he fell, but you may not remember that he was a judge of the nation for over 20 years and did a good job. God used him in a tremendous way to judge his people, to lead his people in battle, and to keep the things all together. He was a good leader, very strong and very powerful, but he battled with his passions and his desires all his life. Like I said, he liked the ladies and he had a weakness for them. He was married once, and then after a battle, he lost her, and she didn't die. What happened was his father-in-law gave her to someone else because he thought that Samson was done with her. It was a mess, and you can go back and read the whole story. It made him mad, so he did some things and killed a bunch of people. Made him mad, just went on about his business. And we don't really have a clear timeline of all these things happened. He started going to prostitutes, and then he got a girlfriend by the name of Delilah. Now remember... As a Nazarite, he wasn't supposed to drink alcohol. He forgot all about that. And he wasn't supposed to cut his hair. And no one knew in the Philistine peoples why Samson was so powerful. His hair was a symbol of the strength within him that God had given. She wanted to know why he was so powerful because people were willing to pay her. Remember, he was a Jewish leader and he was oppressing the Philistines. And the Philistines wanted to kill him in the worst way, but they couldn't. He was too powerful. So they paid her hundreds of thousands of dollars in silver if they would find out the secret. So she pressed him and he lied to her. Multiple times he told her that it was going to be his, this power was coming because of this or because of that. And each time he was attacked and he kept his power and he was able to beat off his oppressors. Finally, Delilah made the plea, you're hurting my feelings. Why do you embarrass me? And he told her, all right. My power is in the fact that my hair has never been cut as a sign of devotion to God. He got drunk with his wife, with his girlfriend. He went to sleep and she called in the men. They came in and he cut his hair off. He awoke, got in a fight. He didn't have any power and he gouged out his eyes. For a while they taunted him and mocked him. And then they put him to work as an oxen turning a grist mill. He was still a big, powerful man. And you've seen those grist mills the way they were. They would have a, an animal tied to a pole and walk around with a great stone and they would grind grain. And that's what he did. At one point, they were going to have a big drunken party, a beer bash. It was a big beer bash. Thousands of people came and Samson was the entertainment. They tied him between two poles and they taunted him and mocked him and got drunk in the process. He prayed, God, will you help me one last time? Give me power so I can destroy this people. Remember, originally he was given to the Hebrew people to beat the oppressing Philistines. So he came to his senses at that last time. He pulled with all his might. The pillars came down and the ceiling came down. And 3,000 Philistines were killed that day. Along with Samson. His family came and got his body. He was buried. Quite a story, isn't it? Hard to believe. The story itself, it's only three or four chapters long. I'd encourage you to read it. The details are pretty gory. Sometimes people of faith do horrible, horrible things, don't they? Sometimes good people make terrible decisions. Sometimes people function 
and they do the right things all the while doing the wrong things and people are just a mess of emotion and contradictions and things like that and Samson was he was very common actually even though he was gifted with great powers and and all those kinds of things he was very common he was like us in so many ways he had his good days and bad days he had moments of faith he did the task of being a judge for over 20 years and did a good job there and yet at the end he lost everything just because he couldn't stay focused so on screen is one of the first things I think he might say don't let your desires distract you from your faith have you ever been really distracted not just from faith but from anything else have you ever been doing something and you were so distracted that you couldn't do it well in fact is you might have been driving or something like that and and you realize that you weren't driving very well or something like that three years ago I was riding my motorcycle home from work and I was on 291 just before the bridge I was about a mile south of the bridge and I was just minding my own business paying attention 60 miles an hour just doing my thing, humming to myself. It was a good day. It was a nice day to ride. It was a great thing. And this car came up behind me, and she passed me. And if you've ever ridden a motorcycle, you become very aware of cars because they can kill you. And they often try. Now, they don't know that anyone ever tries to kill you, but it seems like it sometimes. So I was driving along, and I noticed this car, and she came up behind, beside me. And she didn't pass me. She stayed right there. And then as we went on, she began to veer over my direction. Without thinking, I just veered over to avoid her, not wanting to get run over. And I kept going over and over. And here's the shoulder. And finally, I was riding on the, on the shoulder, potholes and all. And she was still coming my way. And then I realized, oh my gosh, she is going to kill me. And I looked over and she was driving with her knees on a steering wheel with her phone doing this. She was distracted. She finally looked up and looked at me and then she put her hand in on her phone and it got up like this. So I drove up by her after I gained my composure and this all happened in just a few seconds. I got up behind, beside her and I looked at her and honked my horn and go like that. The universal sign, like, you idiot, what are you doing? So I went like this and she smiled and waved and then sped on her way. I said, thank you Jesus and made it home that day. She was distracted. She wasn't even paying attention. She was driving a car on her phone, not doing anything right. I wish I could say that was an unusual experience. I don't ride in the city anymore because of that. That is common. The phones are a terrible thing. You've been probably squeezed by people on their phones in a car. It's a terrible distraction. The thing with distractions is you're not really conscious that you're being distracted. She was not aware of the fact that she was pushing me off the road. She was not aware of the fact that her car was veering. She was oblivious to everything because she was so distracted by her phone. Samson was a little bit like that. He was just living his life. Didn't really choose consciously to ignore God. He just did. Follow along with me if you would in Judges chapter 16. I'll read verses 15 through 17. His conversation with Delilah. Then she said to him, How can you say I love you when your heart is not with me? You have deceived me these three times and have not told me where your great strength is. And it came about when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him that his soul was annoyed to death. 
So he told her all that was in his heart and said to her, A razor has never come on my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If I am shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. Samson fell hard for Delilah. Don't know much about her. In the movie, she was beautiful, of course, probably was. She was a great distraction to him. He fell in love with her, lived with her, did all those things, drank with her, slept with her. Typical human relationship. Again, I don't think that Samson chose to say, I hate God, I'm going to reject God's way, I'm going to do what I want. I think he just did what he wanted and not even thought about it. You know, that's the problem with distractions. They're seldom a result of a conscious choice. You just go on about your business and you forget what you were supposed to be devoted to. The girl that ran me off the road wasn't paying attention to what she was supposed to be doing. She was distracted. Samson wasn't doing what God wanted him to do. He was distracted by Delilah. In the story, like I said, they wanted to know what gave him so much power. And so he kept telling her things and, and she would tell her friends. And Samson evidently was pretty slow on the uptake because he didn't catch what was going on. He had to fight these people every time Delilah told her something. And he finally caught on when they came and cut his hair and gouged out his eyes. Samson never chose to be a fool. Samson never chose to give up his secret. He just lost focus. It's easy to do. It's easy for us, separated in time and place, to be judgmental and critical of Samson. But really, he's just us, isn't he? And see, that's what's amazing about most of these stories that we'll look at. The people in Scripture that did great things and fell horribly were us. Just like us in so many ways. Samson was distracted. The first thing that he was distracted by, you can see it on screen, is a casual partying lifestyle. Like I said, I don't think he ever decided, I will no longer live the Nazarite lifestyle. He never had that discussion with his parents probably. He just drifted away. We all know people that have gone to church, and then for some reason they quit. Most of them never make a decision to reject Jesus. They just get busy and do other things. Kind of what Samson did. What he did, though, was allow his desires and his passions for this particular lifestyle to distract him and lead him away from God. He was sexually promiscuous. He drank too much. He fought too much. He did all those things in that partying lifestyle. And you know what I'm talking about. And it distracted him. It pulled him away from God. Samson would say, you've got to pay attention to what you're doing. You can't just go through life and do what you want. You've got to be careful. Because you can end up going a way of life that you don't choose, you just end up doing it. Now the reality is you do choose your lifestyle. But sometimes it's really not a conscious choice, is it? We just end up doing it. It's like if we gain 20 or 30 pounds, no one says, you know, I think I'll get fat this summer. We've never done that. We just gain weight, slowly. Chocolate looks good. Chocolate ice cream at 9 o'clock at night looks wonderful couple of greasy burgers, can't hurt, and so on and so forth. And we never choose to be out of shape and all those things. It just kind of happens over time. Samson would say, be careful. What we have to do and learn from Samson here is we must not allow what we want to do to distract us from the commitments we've made to Jesus Christ. 
God has called us, if you're going to follow me, take up your cross and follow me. Make a regular practice of worship. So you're doing that. Give part of your income to God's kingdom. You're, hopefully you're doing that. Control your tongue. Control your emotions. Keep your desires in check. Handle your money wisely. Nurture your relationships. Keep your anger under control. God has called us to do all those things. You know those. But whether or not you're actually doing them or not is determined by whether or not you choose to focus on that. It is difficult, I understand. Because everything is going so fast and people want to do things and there are family gatherings and things to do on the weekend and things that are making claims on your time and energies and all those kinds of things. I understand. Even as a pastor, I'm amazed at how easily I can become distracted from the task at hand. Whether it be Bible study and writing my sermons or visitation or all those kinds of things, there is always something else to distract me. This week, with this new projection system, there were people in here for two days. They were here last week, they were here this week. Asking me for this, asking me for that. I would come here and talk to the people and look at all the things that they were doing and they had to have a hoist hanging from the ceiling to lift the TV up and those kinds of things. And they were nice guys. We were talking about projection systems and how are they using different churches and what churches they'd been in. Nothing wrong with any of that. And guess what I lost? I lost two hours of my life. I didn't intend to. I didn't say, okay, God, I'm going to ignore my job for two hours. I didn't do that. I just did it. Because I was here doing nothing. It's easy to allow yourself to be distracted by your desires, by your passions, by things that interest you. I was listening to some conversations. I have a confession here. Pastors eavesdrop on people's conversations. That's what we do. We do that so we can use you as sermon illustrations. Seriously. Yeah, sort of. But seriously, I was listening to a conversation some time ago between somebody and they were talking about the internet and how YouTube was distracting them from their life. And this gentleman said, you know, I, I started, I just was going to watch just video, one video. And then I thought, no, I'm just going to watch a video for 10 minutes. And on YouTube, you have literally hundreds of thousands of videos by all topics. And most of them are pretty stupid, but they, they seem to suck you in. And I said, you've got to be careful because, you know, this can take you 30 minutes. He goes, 30 minutes? I was gone three hours. And he lost three hours of his life because he got sucked into that. Now, he didn't intend to do that. He just allowed himself to be drawn into that. Samson would say, you've got to be careful. You have to pay attention to your life. You have to do a check on how you invest your time and energies and all those kinds of things. Most people... Like I said, sometimes don't make conscious decisions to leave their faith and the convictions of the faith. They just make other decisions and get distracted. Samson would say, be careful. Another thing that Samson was drawn to was being popular. He liked to be the center of attention. Big, good-looking guy, kind of loud, kind of boisterous, liked the ladies. And so would end up doing a lot of things, feats of strength and all those kinds of things. And those things tended to lead him into a lifestyle that simply were conducive to his faith. He didn't necessarily choose evil. It just led him down that path. And we have to be careful of that. Because even though you don't necessarily choose those things, 
you end up being responsible for your lifestyle. So even though people influence you and you get caught up in a situation, you are still personally responsible for your life. You can't say to God, well, God, you know the situation. I just kind of forgot myself. It doesn't work with God. It doesn't work with you when you're raising your children, does it? Of course not. You tell your kids you have to learn to think. You have to learn to pay attention. I remember my brother gave me a stern lecture because I was hanging out with a kid who was in trouble with the law and he'd been caught shoplifting where my brother worked several times and he thumped me pretty hard and threw me up against the wall and said, Kevin, you got to watch yourself. He will drag you down. And he was right. You don't always choose to get drugged down. But if you're not paying attention, it can happen. It happened to Samson. It's happened to really good people. He would say, be careful. One of the problems with the partying lifestyle is the pr product of that partying lifestyle. The sexual immorality and promiscuity, the drunkenness, the drug use, and all those kinds of things. Everything that the preachers used to rail against, it's all there, guys. Nothing's changed. And if you allow those things to become too much a part of your life, they can drag you down. You have to be careful. One of the other things on screen that Samson might say is that you need to use your God-given gifts in a way that will honor him. Follow along with me, Judges 14, verses 18 through 20. Chapter 14, beginning at verse 18. So the men of the city said to him on the seventh day before the sun went down, What is sweeter than honey? And what is stronger than a lion? And he said to them, If you had not plowed with my heifer, you would not have found out my, my riddle. Then the Spirit of the Lord came upon him mightily, and he went down to Ashkelon and killed thirty of them and took their spoil and gave the changes of clothes to those who told the riddle. And his anger burned, and he went up to his father's house. But Samson's wife was given to his companion, who had been his friend. Now this was another story. He gave a riddle. They wanted things from him. He said, I'll tell you what I'll do. I'll do this if you can guess my riddle. And he referred to a story where he had killed a lion and then they found a honeycomb in the lion's carcass later on. No one knew this story. And so he gave this riddle. What kills in his suite? And they couldn't figure it out. Finally, they pressed his wife and he got her, he, he told the story and then they gave the answer. He said, well, you killed a lion and in the lion there was honey. And that's where the comment comes in verse 19, you plowed with my heifer. Funniest line in the Old Testament, actually, because they were messing with his wife, and that's how they got the information. And anyway, what Samson did was use his gifts incorrectly. And he did this because after he had to do this, the riddle was that if you lost, you had to get 30 outfits for people and do something with them. And Samson didn't have 30 outfits, so what he did after he lost the riddle because his wife told the story. What he had to do, he went and found 30 innocent bystanders and he killed them. And he took their clothing and their outfits and that was his debt. So 30 innocent people died. They were Philistines and that's how he justified it. But they died. He used his powers for an evil way because he allowed himself to use his powers for an evil way. So here's something that's hard to understand. God can give you gifts and abilities. They come from God. They are intended for you to use in a way that is righteous and good for God's kingdom. And you can use them for evil. 
That's a hard thing, isn't it? God can give you an incredible mind and gifts and talents and you can use them for evil. God allows you to do that. He doesn't always pull his gifts away from you, whether it be spiritual gifts or simply natural talents. God doesn't necessarily do that. After he gives you a gift, he leaves it with you. How you use it is up to you. Samson would say, be careful, because if you're not careful and you're not paying attention, the very gifts that God has given you that are intended for good can be used for evil. Samson used his abilities as a party favor to entice the ladies, to beat up people and kill people that had nothing to do with him. And he used those things for evil. And because of that, he ended up where you never probably thought about him being a judge for 20 years. His, the only thing you remember about Samson is he got his hair cut and he ended up pulling the pillars down. And that's all we remember about Samson. It's hard to know what Samson could have done. Like I said, big, good-looking guy, intelligent, loud, lots of personality, had a way with people, incredibly powerful, may have done incredible things for God. But instead, he ended up a party favor. He just allowed himself to be wasted. Samson would tell us, listen, what you've got to do is make sure... You use your gifts well. On screen is how we can do that. First of all, find out what you're good at. People say, well, how am I supposed to know what God wants me to do? Well, try different things. You're never too over this, by the way. Try different things. See what you're good at. See what you like to do. See where your natural abilities lie. And then go from there. I talked about my oldest daughter just recently and her work with the Afghan refugees and things like that. And she has never gone on this search to find out her spiritual gifts and abilities. Turns out, though, she stumbled into this gift of hospitality. She loves strangers in her household. Now, I don't. I don't like to have crowds in my house. I like a nice, quiet house and all those things. My daughter likes more people in her house, the more the better. And even if they don't speak English, she doesn't care. If they bring funny taste and food, she doesn't care. She thinks this is a wonderful experience. That's the gift of hospitality. She stumbled into that. She didn't do a spiritual gift test or anything like that. She just found that this is what she's good at. She thrives on that. She gains energy from it. It's a gift. So, she has chosen to use that gift in a way that honors God. She invites people into her home to establish relationships with them and share her faith and be Christian. Not everybody can do that. Not understand. I don't want to have that gift. Some of you do. Some of you don't. But there are other things that people can do. What is up to you is you have to discern what you're good at. And that's your job. And sometimes you have to try different things. And that means taking a risk and sometimes failing. Sometimes you have to try to do things that you don't want to do, but they need to be done. One of the things I found is that what you do in that process of searching is just step up and when there is a need, like the pastor or the youth director or the children's minister says, we need someone to do this, you step up and give it a shot. And you do your best and see if you like it, if you're good at it, or you hate it. And you have to find that out the hard way sometimes. And if you're not any good at it, you don't like it, don't want to see in the future in it, say, you know, I've tried then, it's just not for me. And that's okay. But you have to try over and over. And that's one of the things that God wants you to do. Discover what you're good at, 
discover your interests, discover your gifts, and then develop them as much as you can. Another thing, used with discernment and humility. Recognize that what you can do is a gift from God. The scriptures teach us this. Everything that is good is gift from God. Whether it be a spiritual gift or a natural talent or ability or something like that. If you can speak in public or if you can sing a song or if you can teach kids or if you can are comfortable in visiting people in the hospital, discern that, develop that ability and then do that with an end towards honoring God and bringing joy into people's lives. Do with humbleness and graciousness. The fact that you can do one thing and other people can't doesn't mean you're better than anybody else. It simply means that's your spot. Find your spot then see if you can do it in a way that honors God. Now that doesn't mean that you can only work in church. It doesn't mean that you can only do religious things with that gift. Just make sure that whatever you do, you do it in a way that honors God and reflects your faith. Amazingly, you can go into a situation where you're doing the gift that God has given you and nobody else there is a Christian, but when you do this consistently, you earn credibility and people start to talk about you and they watch you. And there's your chance. One other thing, finally. Whatever you can do, use it for God's honor. Samson never tested what he was doing on whether it honored God or not. If he would have asked the question, is my life honoring God, he would have discovered that. But he never took the time. He never stopped long enough to be introspective or to examine himself. He never stepped out and looked at his life to see if that's what God wanted him to be doing or not. This is what we have to do, and it's hard. It does not come naturally to some people to be introspective and to think about what am I doing and why am I doing it and what do people think. You know, not everybody thinks that way, but it's something that the thoughtful Christian needs to practice. What am I doing with my life? When people watch me, do they see a Christian or just a nice guy? Nothing wrong with being a nice guy, but if they know you and they don't know you're Christian, then something is missing. And you have to discern how you can contribute that part where they could recognize you're Christian and you're honoring God. It doesn't mean you have to be religious all the time or anything like that, but it means there needs to be something in your life that indicates that you are making a conscious effort to serve the God that you serve. Samson never did that, and so he lost everything. Make sure that as Christian, you are that thoughtful person who contemplates your life and considers who you are. On screen is a passage of Scripture. Read this with me if you would. Whatever is good and perfect comes to us from God above who created all heaven's lights. Unlike them... He never changes or casts shifting shadows. We have all benefited from the rich blessings he brought to us. One gracious blessing after another. There's one more screen, I think. So our aim is to please him always, whether we're here in this body or away from the body. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in our bodies. So encouragement from the New Testament, which says simply be responsible for your life. Think about who you are. Do your children recognize your faith? Do your grandchildren 
Do your parents, do those around you you work with, do they recognize that you're motivated by your faith in Jesus? Or would that surprise them to find out that you're Christian and go to church? You know, again, no judgment here. It's just you discern who you are. Is the way you talk at work a way that's conducive to people perceiving your faith? Or do you just keep it quiet because you don't want to offend anybody? No judgment here. Just be honest with yourself. God calls us to be faithful. Samson would say, be careful. You can lose your life way too easy. Living in... I didn't do that on purpose. Living in a way that God can honor you. And at that, I'm going to stop. Nate, come and lead us. <laughs> Kim, I forgot to tighten that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let's stand. together. Father God, we just thank you for the message that Kevin brought today. Lord, I just ask that you would help us to continue to be strong and be brave, even when people are pressuring us. Lord, I just ask that you would continue to bless us and help us to be loving and kind to all of those around us. In your name I pray. Amen.